Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up, child poverty in the U.S. has decreased 59% over the past 25 years. A new report by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation examines the driving forces behind this dramatic decline and how to drive the numbers down even further. Also this morning, one of the key contributors to hearing loss, especially among young people, is the growing concern over improper listening practices. We'll explain what that means and what you can do about it. It's homecoming week for the Trojans. Coach's Corner host John Marshall previews week number eight of the high school football season. And we get another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, October 7th, 2022. Today is bathtub day, so forget the shower this morning, take a bath. National Flower Day, National Forgiveness and Happiness Day, National Frappe Day, National Inner Beauty Day, and National LED Light Day today. So those are the reasons to celebrate the observances of note. This is big news. Did you hear about this? And what could be the first step toward the legalization of marijuana at the federal level? President Joe Biden yesterday issued a mass pardon of all people convicted under federal statutes prohibiting the possession of marijuana. Just a blanket pardon. Anyone who is convicted at the federal level. Now, that does not uh, cover those who are convicted of state marijuana possession crimes. But the president did call on the states to provide similar relief for and most of the people who have this on their record um, is the result of a state prosecution, not a federal prosecution. But uh Uh, The president called on the states to uh, follow his lead and pardon all of those convicted of uh, possession of marijuana. The president also ordered a review of the designation of marijuana as a class A substance under federal law. Uh, That is the same classification as is used for heroin and is actually a higher classification for marijuana than fentanyl or methamphetamine. Which doesn't seem, even if you disagree with the idea of legalizing marijuana, even if you believe it still should be a federally restricted drug, certainly it should not be at a higher classification than fentanyl. You know what I mean? So we'll see where this goes. But uh, marijuana legalization proponents are celebrating and... uh, Uh, They are hopeful on this, so we'll see where it goes. Uh, The other big uh, story that has been in the news recently, and I thought this was an interesting development, you know that uh, a lot of Russians, particularly young Russian men who are of the age where they could be drafted into the Russian army, are fleeing that country because uh, President Putin has implemented a draft to quote-unquote, recruit more soldiers for the uh, war against Ukraine. So a lot of uh, Russian men are fleeing the country to avoid the draft. And most of those are seeking refuge 
in nations that border Russia, like Finland, uh, Kyrgyzstan, and so on. But this week, <laughs> I saw this on the Newswire, this week, two Russian men landed on St. Lawrence Island, Alaska. <laughs> and St. Lawrence Island is only 60 miles across the Bering Strait from Russia. I mean, Russia is a U.S. neighbor in that sense. And uh, so these are the first two Russian refugees <laughs> to land in this country. Um, now that, by the way, uh, St. Lawrence Island is still 750 miles from the nearest Coast Guard station, uh, which usually are the ones that process these types of refugees. And uh, the Coast Guard was asked to respond on behalf of the Customs and Border Protection Agency. Alaskan officials are wondering if they need a better plan for a possible flood of asylum seekers from Russia. Is that the <laughs> is that the next big is that the next big border crisis? They got people fleeing the Russian draft showing up on the shores in Alaska. <laughs> well, we've had at least two, so. Uh, let's see here. This is kind of a more of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. Do you get your best ideas while you are in the shower? Uh, or maybe while you are driving, maybe you're during your commute. Uh, that's when you get your best ideas or maybe when you're just out walking and, uh, kind of lost in your own thoughts. Well, a new study out of the University of Virginia, found that moderately engaging tasks uh, like driving or showering, those moderately engaging tasks actually can help boost your level of creative thinking. Uh, participants in this study were asked how often their mind wanders, and they were shown videos uh, one was a boring video of men folding laundry. One is, was an interesting movie clip from the film When Harry Met Sally. Uh, one particular scene in particular from that film, uh, you can probably guess what that scene is. The I'll have what she's having scene. Yeah. So then they were asked to complete a creative exercise after watching those videos and those who had... Uh, seen the When Harry Met Sally clip had more creative ideas than those who were watching laundry being folded. Uh, participants were asked how often their mind wandered while watching the clip. And uh, the study authors say we find that mind wandering leads to more creative ideas, but only during moderately engaging activities. So there you go. Scientific proof that, yes, you do get your best ideas in the shower. How about that? European researchers have published a new study suggesting it is perfectly normal for people to just blank out. Have you ever had that happen? You know what you want to say or you and you just you can't find the words. It's right there at the tip of your tongue and you just blank out or you walk into a room and you can't remember why you just blank out. Uh, the findings published in the proceedings of the national Academy of sciences 
find that the brain does not produce a constant stream of thought uh, during your waking hours. Mind blanking is a mental state within the study of spontaneous cognition. And they find that sometimes your brain does, in fact, go offline. And I said the brain during these moments actually acts in ways that typically are associated with deep sleep. So perhaps the line between the waking world and the dream world is a little fuzzy. It's kind of interesting. I'm sorry, what was I saying? I just, I just, anyway, my mind turns blank there. Uh, here is good news, big news. Uh, McDonald's is bringing back their Halloween buckets. Uh, McDonald's told customers, we heard you loud and clear in making a new announcement, trumpeting, trumpeting that its beloved Halloween Happy Meal pails will return this spooky season. It's first time in six years. Now, they initially offered the Halloween pails, Happy Meal pails, all the way back in 1986. But this is the first time in six years that they will be made available. And there will be three of them, three varieties, a ghost-faced character called McBoo, a jack-o'-lantern called McPunkin, and a green-faced pail named McGoblin. So, for collectors out there, uh, three versions of each character will be up for grabs while supplies last between October 18th and October 31st. So, the Halloween pails are back at McDonald's. Though That is big news. Certainly big news. And um, what else is... Uh, Oh, here was uh, something that was kind of interesting. You know how uh, environmentalists will say we just have too much plastic in the world. We're, we're drowning, uh, covering the planet in plastic, waste plastics and a lot of the single-use plastics they're trying to cut down. You can't dr get drinking straws anymore. Uh, plastic to-go cup lids are... Uh, an endangered species. Anything single-use plastic is an endangered plastic. Bags and all of that. Well, this is big news. Maybe what saves the planet. New research shows that saliva from wax worms can break down the polyethylene polymer that is used in 30% of plastic production. And it's very difficult to break down uh, the worm saliva has been shown to speed up the process. And even more importantly, scientists are now able to produce the saliva synthetically, meaning you don't need actual wax worms to create the saliva. They can do this synthetically in the lab. Scientist Federica Bertaccini is hopeful that this knowledge could be used in waste management facilities or to create at-home plastic-degrading kits so we dispose of less plastic. And the biggest part of that story for me when I saw it is, uh, thank goodness we can produce this th synthetically, because <laughs> if, if we needed wax worms to break down all the plastic, we could be overrun by wax worms. We'd be trading one problem for another, you know what I mean? <laughs> I 
that's I'm not sure that the, that that would make it uh, things any better, but we can do it uh, synthetically, so that is good. So anyway, really some uh, interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Friday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny skies today, a high of 55. Partly cloudy tonight, a low of 34. A Hancock County woman has been indicted in connection with an alleged shooting incident last month. The woman's accused of following a vehicle and firing shots at it with at least one of the gunshots striking the vehicle. Police said nobody was injured in the shooting. A grand jury has indicted a 34-year-old from Macomb on two counts of second-degree felonious assault. Get more details on the website. The football coach at Tenora High School in Defiance, who was previously placed on administrative leave, has now stepped down. Coach Kenneth Krause's resignation is immediate and a school-based investigation into concerns of possible hazing within the football program has concluded. The Northeastern Local Board of Education says appropriate athletic discipline has been imposed, adding that it's not aware of any ongoing criminal investigations or charges, but that serious concerns have been addressed by district administration. Dave James, ONN News. Some four-legged survivors of Hurricane Ian are now in northwest Ohio. Six dogs that were evacuated from parts of Florida damaged by the hurricane are resting at the Toledo Humane Society. The animals were flown to Akron last night and brought to northwest Ohio. The society's director tells us the dogs will be checked out, and once they are ready, they will go up for adoption. WTOL 11's Amanda Fay reporting. The City Mission of Finley is inviting the community to its 2022 Giver of Life Gala event. It'll be held on Friday, October 21st at the Marathon Center for the Performing Arts. Executive Director Catherine Bowsman is inviting people to join the mission for an evening of impact, art, food, and fellowship. We will be having Rocky Atkinson, author and speaker, talk about loss, addiction, and how we can support those in addiction and homelessness. He lost his son. Patrick to addiction almost a decade ago. You can get more information on the gala and order tickets on the website. As the only emergency shelter in Hancock County, the City Mission of Finley has been helping men, women, and families move from crisis to stability for 86 years. I'm Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Well, I know it often seems like bad news is never in short supply, but we don't often hear about good news. So when we have some, we want to shout it from the rooftops. So here you go. A new report finds that child poverty rates in the United States fell by an astounding 59 percent between 1993 and 2019, with documented declines in every state and across all racial and ethnic groups. Jennifer Nagandu is Managing Director of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Jennifer, what are the most significant factors behind this progress in reducing child poverty over the past 25 years? Well, thank you, Chris, for having me, and thank you for allowing me to yell from the rooftop um, <laughs> because this is good news, but the... the um, you know, the significant, the most significant factor um, uh, contributing to the reduction in childhood poverty rates was our investments in social programs, social programs like the child tax credit, the earned, in tax, earned income tax credit, um, programs like housing assistance that all really helped families who were falling on hard times have a boost and, and some wind in their sails um, so that the child poverty rate was reduced. 
So here is the rub. It is good news, but there are threats to that progress. What are the biggest concerns? One of the big concerns is that we actually know what we can do about this. Um, We know the single biggest factors, um, and right now we're not doing it. Um, And so I'll just start in the before times, before the pandemic, um, uh, or during the pandemic, Mm -hmm. we made a decision as a nation to invest in some of these social programs and even saw um, how they were having dramatic effects in a very short period of time on child poverty programs like the child tax credit, the expansion of school lunches so kids could eat healthier, um, and programs like housing assistance. And at the end of the day, most of those programs have expired um, and children are a threat at falling back into poverty over time. Um, just to give you a, a, one fact, um, in Ohio, this is the difference between one in five children being in poverty and one in 10 children being in poverty. And while we don't, while we don't even want one child being in poverty, mm-hmm. um, the fact is at the end of the day, Um, to see such dramatic effects, but not actually uh, invest in what's working um, seems like a fool's errand. So what I hear you saying is that uh, the risk of this good news is in believing that we fixed a problem and not recognizing the need for a sustained effort. And I liken it to, you know, just because you change the oil in your car once doesn't mean you're done and you never have to do it again. That's kind of the same thing as what you're talking about here. Right. And I think we can all relate to the fact that we know someone or have been uh, someone who has fallen on hard times. Um, And uh, sometimes all it takes is a a little bit of a boost. Um, But since that is true, um, we as the wealthiest country or one of the wealthiest countries in the world mm-hmm. has the ability to actually do something about it um, and make sure that this is sustained over time. Um, and then the fact is at the end of the day, while I think those, those booths had temporary effects, we need to make sure that they're permanent and that uh, children and families are not forced into st- st- instability and cycling in and in and out of poverty over time. So, uh, a couple of points here that I that I want to you know get your response to. You know, again, what we're talking about here is the difference between a hand up versus a hand out, and there's a lot of pushback to some of these uh, some of the social programs as handouts. Like you said, nobody wants to see children in poverty, but at the same time, there there is an an economic impact to not providing these uh, these social programs. And I think that has to be factored in as well and not overlooked. I, I certainly appreciate that question. And I think we have to, as a nation, make smart investments. But I'll say two things about that. Many of the programs that I've just talked about, uh, not we think about them as, a, as, as benefiting individual families, but actually they benefit us um, as individuals, they have, we have a shared stake um, in what happens to children over time. There are enormous benefits that happen um, from these social programs that follow children throughout their lives. Um, that's, there's, there's good solid evidence on that as well. And so being able to invest 
um, now um, feels um, like a good way that we don't pay later. I'll, I'll say one other thing about this, uh, and that's that um, many of these families are are really investing in things of basic dignity, food, essential bills, and clothing that will allow them to put attention attention on making the rest of their lives better. A fair point. Um, the other thing, and you mentioned the pandemic and the expansion of uh, some of these programs, uh, the implementation of the universal uh, school lunch program and so on during the pandemic. But again, when I look at the data in this report, um, it most notably jumped out at me, out at me that uh, it was between 1993 and 2019. So do we know that though the expansion of those programs and the things that we did during the pandemic uh, was um, was as effective. I mean, anecdotally, we can think that you know it makes sense that that would have uh, actually further benefited the situation, but we don't actually have that hard data yet at just how significant of a difference that made. So we do have the hard data, actually. We um, and so I'll say um, for uh, for a lot of um, these programs, like SNAP, um, SNAP kept nearly eight million people above the poverty line. That includes three point six million children nationwide. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that. Child, the child tax credit in combination temporarily sort of removed millions of people from poverty um, and cut the child poverty rate by 50%. Um, so that is hard data that we know and understand. And as I said, um, was used in the lives of families to give them breathing room mm-hmm. to be able to pay attention even more to the well-being of their families. Yeah. That's a benefit to the society. Um, you know, I'll also say programs like this that um, actually generate economic activity. Um, there's been long-standing data on how something like the SNAP program actually generates more economic activity because it's reached beyond yeah. the chi- children and families into um, the country, whether that's sort of ensuring that farmers have more resources, local businesses right. have more resources, right. and so on and so forth. And, and so, I think- yeah, um, that, you know, I think it's a far cry from saying like we're just investing in individuals who are falling on hard times yeah. and preventing them from becoming hungry. We're really investing in the well-being yeah. of the nation um, in addition to those individuals. Yeah, and I think it is important to take all of those things into account when we're uh, discussing and debating this issue, so that we can get the uh, the large picture, the broader picture. Again, Jennifer Ngandu is a managing editor at the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Uh, our time is short; we could go on. On about this, we will link up to the uh, numbers as we were talking about, so folks can do a deeper dive into all of this at our webpage. Jennifer, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Deeply appreciate your time. Take care. Well, earlier in the week, we mentioned that October is National Protect Your Hearing Month. Roughly 40 million Americans have some amount of noise-induced hearing loss. And joining us is Kathy McGowan, Doctor of Audiology at Belltone. And Kathy, the biggest concern today is that hearing loss is becoming more common among young adults, teenagers, even children, largely because of unsafe listening practices, right? Absolutely. 
you can be exposed to noise uh, at any level, uh, starting, you know, even adolescence. Um, so a lot of the things that we do in our world, we just don't realize how noisy they are. Uh, even, you know, uh, professional sporting events uh, sometimes are recorded at well over 120 decibels. So noise is out there. It's everywhere. Yeah, and it's interesting you mention that because you go to a professional sporting event and that's almost like a point of pride that they're making uh, that much noise uh, and and yet it it can be dangerous. Um, and then aside from that, what are some of the other uh, unsafe hearing practices that you most commonly encounter? Uh, well, you know, everybody's walking around with those earbuds in their ears. Um, and while it does make it pretty handy, it also can be very damaging to the noise, to the nerve of hearing. Uh, it's repeated pro- prolonged exposures that cause the most damage. So if you're wearing those earbuds all day, every day at dangerous levels, you're going to cause much more damage to your ears. Um, and so we recommend uh, turn it down. Um, a lot of times, you know, you're using that with an app on your phone. It can certainly tell you if you're in a level that's too loud. Um, and so things that you don't think about, like uh, mowing your grass or using a weed eater or a shop vac, any type of drills, chainsaws, power saws, um, all of our first responders uh, are probably getting exposed uh, to dangerous levels of noise all day, every day, certainly any military service, uh, anybody that works in any type of industrial uh, setting where there's too much noise. Um, all these things that you just don't think about, uh, you know, rock concerts, mm-hmm. um, while it's a lot of fun, yep, it's probably, probably way too loud. Yeah. Um, I, I want to uh, focus in on uh, the earbuds you mentioned, too, because they are so ubiquitous these days. Uh, as you mentioned, everybody seems to be walking around with these things stuck in our ears. And I want to clarify, is is it the way we are using those earbuds or just the fact that we're using them too much? I mean, can the amount of time we spend with these things poked in our ears, even at safe listening levels, be in itself unsafe? So you can certainly get a small amount of auditory fatigue, right? We all need to disengage a little bit, but no, it is more the okay. loudness levels. That right. It's not going to hurt you to wear an earbud all day unless you have it turned up above 85 decibels. Yeah, and it's interesting you mention that uh, your many phones, my phone does this, when you when you plug in uh, a, a, a headphone, plug something into the headphone jack or, or uh, activate the Bluetooth with a, a set of headphones, uh, it will decrease the volume level to a safe level, and I think we're all guilty of this, we'll turn it up and override that automatic setting, so... That's one of the things that we can do is just leave it alone. You got it. And also, you know, if you think about it, uh, what is the situation that you're in that you felt like you needed to turn it up so that you could hear better? Uh, people have mentioned uh, wearing them at the gym because they like to, you know, work out to their own music. But then also the gym is playing uh, music also. And then also people around you are talking and there's machinery and equipment. Um, so if you uh, can get a really good set of noise canceling, earbuds or earphones that really will help with that situation because you won't feel like you need to turn your sound up to overcome any anything thing that's around you that can help as well and of course to reiterate uh, something that we were mentioning uh, earlier in the week uh, it is important to get your hearing checked on a regular basis once a year absolutely just like you get your vision checked you 
get your blood pressure checked. It should be just part of your overall wellness because hearing is so important to your overall health. It affects every area of your life. So it's uh, Helen Keller actually said if she could get one of her senses back, she would take her hearing back. That's how important it is. Yeah. Um, and again, just to reemphasize what we were talking about earlier, uh, at every age, because it is never too young to experience hearing loss. And in fact, you are seeing a growing number of young people uh, who have more advanced stages of hearing loss because of all the reasons we were just talking about. Absolutely. Um, one of my jobs in a previous life is uh, I was in the military and I did a lot of the hearing screenings for the uh, kids coming in. And I started just seeing more and more and more kids coming in at age 18 with a pretty severe high frequency hearing loss just due to all of the noise and the earbuds. And, the, you know, you, you hear the kids driving down the street and you can feel the vibration of their uh, car stereo. Yeah. That's so loud. You, you, very, you, very know, you know that that can't be uh, that can't be good for your ears. And then, of course, the solutions that are available. I mean, unfortunately, Hearing loss is not reversible medically, uh, but there are uh, solutions that are available uh, for those with hearing impairments. Absolutely. If you just go to belltone.com, you can find out where your closest local Belltone office is. Give us a call. uh, We'll put you on the schedule. We'll do a free hearing screening. And help you figure out what's going on. Might, who knows? It could be just a bunch of earwax, right? Uh, but uh, starting with the new uh, FDA regulations, uh, starting later in the month, um, we've got the OTC products available. Um, we've all we've had them for a while at Belltone. Um, but we just we recommend that everyone get your hearing screened before you take a step like that because you want to find out what is the best option for you. Certainly, if you have a very, very mild hearing loss, an over-the-counter solution is, is going to be your best option. Uh, but, you know, similar to when you go get your eyes checked and they say, uh, you know, your vision's not that bad yet, you're not ready for glasses, that's going to be where that uh, over-the-counter product is going to be uh, yeah. more applicable. You come in, we do a hearing screening, we find out your hearing is mostly pretty good, but you're a little high-frequency loss, a little bit of trouble in background noise that product is going to be great for that. But then if we find out you've got a more significant hearing problem, we're going to recommend more of a prescription solution. Uh, So we've got, you know, some great products. We've got products that stream that are Bluetooth enabled that you've got hands-free calling, um, starting with our rechargeable in-the-ear solutions. Uh, We have our, you know, our tiniest product that's available. It's It's called a completely in the canal or CIC Nobody can see that when you've got that in your ear. Um, or if you uh, are more of a person who likes your cell phone, your smartphone, we've got our Bluetooth-enabled uh, products, and we've got a brand-new product called Achieve. It's very exciting. It's, it's actually wonderful in background noise. It's a 150% improvement in background noise, so it's really exciting. Um, good, good stuff. Never have there been uh, more uh, solutions, better solutions for those with hearing loss. But obviously, the best solution is not to put yourself in the situation where you need those solutions. Uh, again, as we said, October, National Protect Your Hearing Month. Kathy McGowan is Doctor of Audiology at Belltone. Kathy, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. 
I'm John Marshall with this high school football preview. The Finley Trojans aim to make it three in a row tonight when they meet the Clay Eagles at Donnell Stadium. Trojans coach Stefan Adams on the excitement of homecoming week. Be a kid, enjoy all that tradition that goes along with homecoming. But when we're at practice, when we have a game, it's business. And I think our guys have done a good job so far this week. Finley versus Clay will air on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM tonight, starting with pregame at 630. In the Blanchard Valley Conference, Pandora Gilboa visits Liberty Benton. The winner improves to 4-1 and one in the conference and still has a shot at a share of the BBC title, while the loser drops out of contention. Arlington makes the short trip to Riverdale for a rivalry that is also the Falcons' homecoming game. Riverdale is trying to stop a two-game losing skid after opening 4-1. and one. Arlington looks to bounce back after a last week's loss to Macomb and keep hope alive for a share of the league title. You can hear that one on WKXA tonight starting with pregame at 6.35. Macomb is at Corey Rawson. Arcadia goes to neighboring Van Lu and Van Buren faces North Baltimore in a non-league matchup as both teams take aim at their second win of the season. Elmwood visits Lake in a matchup of the Northern Buckeye Conference teams. The Eagles are coming off a one-point loss to Eastwood last Friday. 1-6 Woodmore visits Memorial Stadium to face 0-7 Faustoria. Games of note in the Northern 10 Conference see Carey on a quest to get to 8-0 with a visit from Cyrus and Buckeye Central at Upper Zandusky in a battle of 3-4 teams. In the Northwest Conference, 5-2 Bluffton hosts 6-1 Allen East. Ada visits Clymer Stadium to face Columbus Grove. Lipsick is at Delphus Jefferson as the winner makes a run at the playoffs. And Crestview is at Spencerville. In the Western Buckeye, Ottawa Glendorf visits Shawnee in a game that will air on 106.3 to Fox. 1-6 Kenton hosts 6-1 Van Wert. Elida aims to get back on track when they get a visit from St. Mary's. 6-1 Wapak visits 0-7 Bath, while Salina and Defiance face off at Fred Brown Stadium with identical 5-2 records. Northwest Central Conference games of local interest include Upper Scioto Valley at Elgin and Harden Northern heading east to visit Crestline. Northwood makes the trip to Bascom to meet Hopewell Loudon, while Calvert goes to Jefferson County to meet Buckeye Local. Once again, it's Finley and Clay on WFIN, Ottawa Glendorf Shawnee on 106.3 The Fox, and Arlington at Riverdale on 100.5. With this high school football preview, I'm John Marshall, WFIN Sports. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. A New York City man stands accused of smuggling three Burmese pythons into New York from Canada in his pants. (laughs) In his pants. Calvin Bautista was allegedly trying to move the animals into New York City or into New York State uh, from Canada. It was arraigned earlier this week on federal smuggling charges. Burmese pythons can be injurious to human beings, obviously, and are among the world's largest snakes. (laughs) Yeah, he thought he could get away with smuggling these in his pants. I don't know. They're world's largest snakes. They are also considered an invasive species in Florida, where they have invaded the Everglades. Uh, Mr. Bautista faces up to 20 years in prison. 20 years in prison if he is convicted. And here's the thing. 
He's smuggling these in his pants. Does he not know that they squeeze things very hard? <laughs> I'm thinking that could have ended very, very badly. More than just a, a bigger punishment than just jail time, if you know what I mean. Uh, let's see here. Um, an American tourist in Rome. Uh, he's not named in this report. He's in his 50s, it says here. Um, he was visiting Rome, decided he wanted to see the Vatican. As many people do when you're in that part of the world. Uh, he asked, when he got to the Vatican, he asked for an audience with the Pope. When he was told, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to see Pope Francis. He did what any reasonable person, I think, would do. He smashed two ancient Roman sculptures. The Vatican smashed up two ancient Roman sculptures when he was told he couldn't see Pope Francis. He's in his 50s. You'd think he would know better, but no. Uh, the man went on a rampage when he was visiting the Vatican museums around noon on Wednesday after being informed he could not meet the Pope. The man allegedly hurled himself into one of the ancient busts in the museums, uh, in one of the uh, museums, uh, one of the halls of the museum, uh, knocking the sculpture off of its pedestal as he tried to free flee from museum security. Uh, he knocked another sculpture to the floor and smashed it. Staff, uh, staff managed to restrain the man until Vatican police arrived minutes later to place him under arrest. <laughs> Gee, I can't imagine why the Pope would not have wanted to meet this guy. It's, seems like such a, uh, <laughs> a stable, well-balanced person. I was, uh, let's see here. Speaking of uh, Speaking of Americans overseas... Damien Brown has made it to Ireland from New York City. What makes this story unique is the his mode of travel. He rode all the way from New York City to Ireland. Yes, rowing his way across the ocean. Damien left Chelsea Piers on June 14th and rode 3,450 nautical miles across the ocean to Ireland. He's a 42-year-old former rugby player, originally set out to compete the, uh, complete the journey with a friend, but his friend had to leave just 13 days into the trip for health reasons. That probably should have been your first clue, you know? Um, but uh, Mr. Brown soldiered on and completed the rest of the trip solo, he apparently did this all for a good cause. He teamed up with Project Empowerment to raise money for a number of different charities. But, man, rowing from New York City to Ireland, more than 3,000, nearly 3,500 miles. That's impressive and or stupid. One of the, I'm not sure which, maybe a little bit of both. Uh, let's see here. A Canadian town from the international file, the broken news, a Canadian town now home to a 17-foot-tall Cheeto statue. <laughs> the town of Cheadle in Alberta, east of Calgary, features a statue that depicts a set of Cheeto-covered fingertips that reach out of the ground, grabbing a single 
Cheeto Puff. Um, it was put in the tiny town of 100 people by the PepsiCo company, which owns the Cheeto brand. And uh, that's because the town's name, Cheetle, is similar to the word Cheetle, which is the orange residue that Cheetos leave on your fingers. They call it Cheetle. And because this is Cheetle, with a D, not a T, but Cheetle, they decided they're going to put this giant Cheeto statue right there in the town square. <laughs> the statue is only temporary. If you're thinking, I wonder what the uh, people of Cheadle, Alberta think of this. It is only temporary. It will be on display until November 4th. So <laughs> I'm guessing there are a few people who are like, okay, can't wait till that goes away. That's A Brooklyn man will spend 18 months in prison for cutting the brake line of a New York police car. Uh, Jeremy Trapp, accused of crawling under a police van in July of 2020 and severing the brake line. (laughs) Here's the problem, and this is why I chuckle about this, because he didn't cut the actual brake line. He cut the line for the anti-lock braking system. (laughs) Uh, So the brakes didn't fail. They just, the anti-lock brakes didn't work. (laughs) In his defense, the anti-lock braking system line looks very much like the main brake line. So it's easy to get the two confused, but this did not have the intended effect. Um, He is also accused of committing wire fraud in connection with a COVID-19 pandemic loan scam. Uh, being ordered to pay nearly $10,000 in restitution. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Couldn't quite get it right. And finally, in the broken news this morning, this, and I see what you make of this. I'm sure it's meant to be reassuring. I'm not sure that it actually is. The world's leading robot manufacturers, robot manufacturers, are pledging not to turn their robots into weapons. (laughs) Six leading tech firms have signed on to this agreement, including Boston Dynamics, Agility Robotics, and Open Robotics, all based in the U.S. They have all made this pledge in an open letter this week. They say they will not weaponize what they call their advanced mobility general purpose robots or the software that makes them function. The companies said that they would also try to make sure that their customers do not turn robots into weapons. I know it's meant to be reassuring, but somehow I'm just not real reassured by that. More evidence of our robot overlords taking over. There you go. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, 
of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Take WFIN wherever you go with our updated mobile apps for iPhone and Android. And now you can listen to us on your Alexa device. Get the app at WFIN.com or in the App Store or Google Play. Plus, enable Alexa by searching for WFIN under Skills and you'll soon be saying, Alexa, play 1330 WFIN. And the best part is the apps and skills are absolutely free. On the air at 1330 WFIN and 95.5. FM, online at WFIN.com, and on your smartphone, tablet, and Alexa devices. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, and the statistics that shape our lives. So it is uh, well documented that Americans, by and large, are overstressed. Uh, as a matter of fact, in this poll, and sometimes uh, some of these surveys actually come up with some surprising numbers amidst uh, things that are not so surprising. Uh, This is a a survey of 2,000 Americans commissioned by Noom uh, to shine a light on uh, topics of the impact of stress on our mental well-being ahead of World Mental Health Day, which happens to be Monday. So they find that three out of four Americans would do nearly anything to have just a single stress-free day. Just one stress-free day. Three out of four of us would do just about anything. Um, when people uh, feel stressed out, they avoid necessary tasks like you know, cleaning their homes. 15% say when they feel stressed out, they... Uh, avoid cleaning their house uh, or vacuuming. 20% say they avoid doing laundry, um, which I can certainly relate to that. I, yeah, when you're stressed out, it's the last thing you want to do. Uh, many people say they would pass on a week's worth of productivity. 30% said that for a, a single stress-free day, it would be worth giving up a full week of productivity. said that they would give up an entire paycheck for just one single stress-free day. (laughs) 26% said that they would give up uh, you-know-what with their significant other. 26% (laughs) are so desperate for a stress-free day that they would give up that, which I found to be de-stressing, but I digress. (laughs) The uh, study, I thought this was the surprising number. Uh, One in 10 of those in the survey, one out of 10, say they cannot even remember the last time they had a stress-free day. And I was surprised by that. I was thinking that number would be much higher. Just one in 10? I think that'd be more like eight in 10, seven or eight in 10. Can't remember the last time they had a stress-free day. Uh, the uh, study found that 83% believe that everyone would benefit from taking their mental wellness more seriously, while 81% say they are satisfied with their current mental well-being, 65% have only given more thought to their personal well-being over the past couple of years, read, since the start of the pandemic. Uh, It is one thing that maybe will be a good lasting legacy coming out of the pandemic if we are more cognizant now of our mental wellness and our need for 
paying attention to our mental well-being than perhaps we realized before. If that comes out of the pandemic, then that, I don't know if I can say it would be worth it, but it would certainly be a lasting beneficial legacy of the pandemic. So anyway, interesting uh, stuff there about the uh, things that people will be willing to give up for just a single stress-free day. And now my wife, Kyra, has joined us in the studio once again with another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. And uh, you're looking for uh, some more good recipes, too. Yes. Uh, Always looking for recipes. Especially good fall recipes. If you have one. Crock-pot. Crock-pot recipes. Easy recipes. Good stick-to-your-ribs kind of stuff. Uh, If you've got a good recipe, feel free to share it. You can go to the... uh, Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page, which if you haven't liked it, uh, make sure you do that at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN. And uh, you can get all of the uh, recipes each week and you can share your favorites and all of that. So looking for some good recipes. Got some uh, good ones uh, here. Uh, Talk about uh, stick to your ribs (laughs) kind of fall (laughs) recipes. Uh, This first one here is for a shepherd's pie tater tot Casserole. Yes. So I've, I, I like shepherd's pie, but I don't like peas and carrots. And this kind of. Uh, so it eliminates the yes, peas and carrots. Yes, it eliminates so it's not the really peas shepherd's and carrots. Pie. It, it, but it has corn in it. So. Has corn and yeah. uh, and onions. Yes, you've got, and you've onions. got some onions. Yeah, so so it's not a but but it's kind of a spin. It's not a traditional Correct. shepherd's pie. Correct. There you go. It's a spin a on the spin traditional on, yes. shepherd's pie. Yes. So a uh, half pound of ground beef, a half of an onion diced, one cup of frozen corn, two tablespoons of flour, one cup of beef broth, uh, two tablespoons of ketchup, one tablespoon of Worcestershire sauce two teaspoons of onion powder, two teaspoons of garlic powder, one teaspoon of dried basil, three cups of mashed potatoes, a 14-ounce thing of your frozen tater tots, and two cups of shredded mozzarella and cheddar cheese blend. So preheat your oven to 375 degrees. Brown your beef in a pan over medium heat. Crumble up your beef. Add your onion and cook through. Then add your uh, corn to the pan and stir well. Then sprinkle with some flour um, and combine that well. Then slowly add your beef broth. It will start thickening then. Mm -hmm. And then add your, your ketchup, your Worcestershire sauce, your salt, your pepper, your onion powder, your garlic powder, and your basil. Stir until it's all thickened. Then you're going to pour that into your nine-inch round uh, baking dish. If you don't have a round baking dish, use your regular rectangle one. That's fine, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a pie. So <laughs> so that's why I use my round baking right. dish because right. it's a pie. So then, um, then after that, then uh, spread your mashed potatoes over the ground beef mixture. Then place your tater tots in a single layer on top of your mashed potatoes. Then place the dish in the oven and bake for about forty minutes. Now the tater tots, when you put it, let's say again, these are the frozen tater tots. Yep. You don't have to thaw them or cook them no, or anything. No, so no. If you want it to go faster, if you want the cooking process in the oven to go faster, then you could cook them beforehand. Okay, or you. Could use leftover tater tots that are in the fridge. Okay, you know, yep. you know, whatever. I if you've had, yeah, you know. yeah. If you've had tater tots and you've had some leftover, I mean, that's sort of what shepherd's pie is all about. 
from what I so understand, I mean, all of the is, leftovers is leftovers do something and, with the leftovers. Yeah, doing yeah. something with the leftovers. Yeah. Okay. So, so I and then your cooking process in the oven is going to take less time. Gotcha. So, because you're not using frozen tater tots. Okay. So um, then return to the uh, or bake for about forty minutes. Remove from the oven. Sprinkle with your cheese. Um, and then uh, return to the oven to continue to bake for about another 10 minutes or so. Make sure your cheese is all nice and melty and ooey-gooey yummy. Mm -hmm. And then remove the casserole from the oven. Allow to sit for five minutes, or if you need to to sit for a little bit longer, that's fine also. Sure. So I did the other night. (laughs) So, yeah, and uh, here's the ironic thing. Uh, We... Uh, you made this the yes. other night, yeah. and I was not home no. to have it, so it's now in the fridge. So we're now going to have leftovers of yep. the leftovers. Yes, yes. <laughs> leftovers, I already had some. <laughs> leftovers really of the good. leftover dish yes. there. Uh, so anyway, the uh, shepherd's pie tater tot casserole. To go along with that, a corn and tomato salad. Yes. So if you have any tomatoes from yes. the garden. Uh, we got ours from fr- our friends Peverly's. Yes. So uh, I was like, I'm going to use these. The uh, fresh corn <laughs> yes. from the garden. Yes. Mm, this yes. could be really good stuff. Yeah. So uh, two tomatoes chopped, one and a half cups of frozen corn, or like you said, if you have fresh corn, Corn, put that in there. Yeah. Uh, half an onion diced, a quarter cup of balsamic glaze, um, two tablespoons of olive oil, one tablespoon of dried cilantro, one tablespoon of minced garlic, one teaspoon of salt, and a quarter teaspoon of pepper. So add your tomatoes, your corn, and your onion to mixing bowl. Mix well. Stir in your cilantro, your oil, your garlic, your salt, and your pepper. Let stand for 20 minutes to, for the flavors to mingle or put it in the refrigerator overnight. It's even better. Um, stir well before uh, serving and add additional salt and pepper to taste if, if you need now, it. Now, uh, here again... Uh, if you're using the frozen corn, do you want mm-hmm. that to thaw before no, you? It's going to thaw. I mean, it's going to yeah. thaw. I mean, it's going to thaw in that 20 minute period. I mean, if it's is out. It's going to thaw enough, mm-hmm. you think, in yeah. the 20 mm-hmm. minutes? If it's All right. sitting out there. Yeah. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, so there you go the uh, corn and tomato salad. And then for dessert. Again, this is perfect for this time of yes. year. It is a butterscotch pumpkin bread. Yes. Mm, so This sounds yummy. Yeah, so one three-fourths cup of all-purpose flour, one uh, 3.4 ounce instant butterscotch pudding mix, just the mix, so the powder. Okay. Uh, one tablespoon of baking powder, one teaspoon of baking soda, two teaspoons of pumpkin pie spice, one teaspoon of cinnamon, quarter teaspoon of nutmeg, quarter teaspoon of ginger, a half a cup of butter melted in the skillet until browned and fragrant, one cup of brown sugar, one 15-ounce can of pure pumpkin puree, two large eggs, lightly beaten. So uh, preheat your oven to 350 degrees. Uh, butter your 8 by 4-inch uh, uh, loaf pan. Then in a large bowl, combine your flour, your pudding mix, your baking powder, your baking soda, and your spices. Uh, whisk uh, that together, or if you're with your electric mixer, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. Then set it aside in another bowl. Combine your butter, your brown sugar, your pumpkin puree, and your eggs. Um, add your wet ingredients to your dry ingredients and mix until combined. Uh, pour into your prepared pan. Bake for 60 to 64 minutes. 
in your preheated oven. Um, and then you'll know it's done with the uh, toothpick test. And mm. if a little bit of crumbs come out, that's fine. Just um, just make your, sure your center is not doughy. Yeah. Um, if your center is doughy, then uh, cook for maybe yeah. another two to three minutes and check it again. Uh, then cool in the pan for about 10 minutes before transferring to a rack to completely cool. Uh, once mo- mostly cool, then enjoy it with some butter yeah, it or be yes, a little, a little bit, bit warm, warm still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A delicious. That's going to yes. be a delicious and a boy. And you know what? The other uh, thing is your. Uh, whole whole house is going to yes. smell Yummy. delicious yes. uh, during the whole baking process. Yes. So there you go. The uh, recipes for the shepherd's pie tater tot casserole, the corn and tomato salad, and the butterscotch pumpkin bread are posted on the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at yep. Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. And uh, also we'll get them uh, linked up from the uh, main WFIN page. And you can also find them at goodmornings.net. We have the link up there for the recipes as well. If you've got a great fall recipe, by all means, share it with us. Yes. Uh, if there's uh, one that you're looking for, we'll uh, put Kyra on the case. Uh, just let us know what you're uh, looking for, mm-hmm. and uh, we'll uh, get her on that. Um, more recipes from uh, Kyra's Kitchen. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program as always. And remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. And that, of course, is goodmornings.net. Coming up on Monday, it's another Mental Health Monday, and Hancock County will be receiving one of only a half dozen grants awarded nationally aimed at addressing children's mental health issues. We'll discuss the ways that will be put to use. So until Monday morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. We'll catch you back here next week.